At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 131, and it's a third New Japan grab bag. And today I am joined by a first-time guest here on the show. He has contributed Voices of Wrestling, both as a writer and as the host of the new Eurograps Express podcast here on the network. It's Neil David. Hello, Neil. Hello. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. The pleasure's all mine. Absolutely. Great to have you on here, finally. And uh, congrats on the new show, by the way. I've been enjoying oh, it so you. far. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny. For so long, you were only known as, like, the annoyingly great writer at Voices of Wrestling. <laughs> well, now you're the annoyingly great podcaster, too. So, because, you know, you're a few episodes in and already you're just putting us all to shame here. But, um, but no, seriously, it's a great show. Very warm, very inviting. And you express your thoughts so well, too. So um, I'm glad you're doing it, Neil. That's for sure. Thank you. It's actually kind of your fault in a strange way. How I sold it to Rich, because um, I, I wanted it on the network. I didn't want to, you know, have to actually struggle away myself to find an audience. I wanted the shortcut, like, as quick as possible, <laughs> straight to the top. And uh, the way I pitched it was by saying it's going to be a Music of the Mat solo episode. That's the that's the feel that I wanted, which, you know, just that with a friend talking about wrestling. And um, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that, because that's what I wanted. It's just... I'm not particularly hot takey. I don't shout and rant and rave, but I just I have a bit of a chat about wrestling and, and it's going down well. So and I'm enjoying doing it too, which is the main thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just pour yourself a cup of tea and you know eat some Jimmy Dodgers or some Twiglets <laughs> or whatever UK snack you want, and you're good to go, right? <laughs> That's it. That's the rule. Or just something that makes you happy. That's what we talked about this time. Whether it's biscuits or you know no matter what, just just have a little snack that makes you happy, a little moment of joy. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Well, well, it does fill that UK European wrestling shaped hole in the network because we used to have the Brit Res Roundtable on there, but that's been gone for a few years now. Um, but yeah, places like RevPro putting out great stuff and WXW still going strong and, and progress is, is still a thing apparently and in various indies and all that. So it helps to have a show devoted to that area, really. Um, it's not what it once was five or six years ago, of course, for, for many reasons, that's yeah. for sure. But there's still enough going on there to, to warrant its own show, I believe. And uh, and I, I think your podcast, Neil, has been part of this this exciting new wave of shows on the network 
that have really jazzed it up lately, uh, along with you know Days of Thunder and Emerald Flow Show and The Next Pillar and Lucha Jobbers. So uh, I think the network is as varied and well-rounded as it's ever been, Neil. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, I'm really glad to be a part of it. You know, it, it feels like a really exciting time to be to be getting into podcasting, like you say, with everybody doing it at the minute and and all these these new exciting things. And and and, and Brit Wrestling, and European wrestling kind of feels like it's on the way up a little bit. It feels like a good time to get in. Um, you know, it feels like we're ready to to get going again post pandemic. And and um, I'm. I actually, I didn't want to do it on my own. I have to say, and I went around about four or five different people saying, "Hey, do you fancy doing a podcast about European wrestling?" And everyone was like, "No, no, no." But um, they'll come <laughs> begging to me soon, I'm sure. <laughs> they'll come crawling back. They'll all want a piece of the pie someday, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, Neil, uh, since it's your first time on the show here, let me ask you this: uh, How did you become a wrestling fan to begin with? Um, it was a bit of a struggle, to be honest with you. I remember early 90s was when I first started being aware of it, um, really young, sort of six, seven years old. And, and not and SummerSlam 92 happened and it was a massive thing. And um, even though I'm from the north and it happened down south, it just felt like everybody on my street was talking about it. There was a lot of older boys. And I remember watching it on tape. One of the lads had it on tape and... I don't know if I remember watching it because I can't really. I just remember being in a room and there being colours and bright lights and excitement and wanting to impress these older lads. And I found out that my mum hated it. Like just the idea of me watching wrestling was was awful to her. She thought it would make me into this violent, horrible person. And I was banned from watching it for a long time. And then I got a library card and then the library had lots of wrestling tapes and you build up this bizarre network because we, we didn't have any money when we were kids, but um, so I had to build up this weird network of somebody had Sky TV. So, and they really liked WCW. So I could get nitro tapes off them. And then this kid at school, his dad really liked WWF. So I could get raw tapes off him and I just over the years built it up and, and never really stopped. I had a little bit of a relapse. Actually, I think I reached about 14. Uh, I think the end of the attitude era and it wasn't cool anymore. And I got into music and growing my hair and I, I felt like it was uncouth and violent and I, I didn't want anything to do with it. And then I think once you reach your mid twenties, you stop giving a shit, don't you? And I realized, <laughs> no, I, I, I do really like this. And yeah, it's been downhill ever since really. Mm-hmm. And uh, has music played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all? Uh, yeah. In fact, my first CD was um, a WWF, the music tape. Um, uh, sorry, CD. It was um, it was a, the green one. I can't remember. Which, I should have looked this up. Actually, it was the green one. I think that was volume four. Yeah, it was yeah. fairly early on, and I was remember being really disappointed because the DX theme tune wasn't quite the DX theme tune that you heard. It was, and the rock theme tune wasn't quite the rock theme tune. So I get if you had the earlier ones, it might be exciting to have the remix. But I didn't. You know, this was before the internet when you could just have a listen or do a preview. You sort of had to buy the CD and take your chances. Uh, and I remember being really disappointed with it because it ended up costing me like sixteen pounds, which was just, I know it was the going rate at the time for a CD. But now that 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 just sounds insane. Um, but yeah, the I think it's just been. The whole thing with the Attitude Era was, which is when I was getting into wrestling, the music was just such a huge part of it that, you know, the, the huge part of the comedy and the laughing and, you know, the 
I remember that DX theme tune in particular, the way it kind of had that intro and then the slow build and you knew it was going to come and then the sudden burst and, you know, that I, I just love listening to that theme tune and pretending when I was walking the dog down the street, pretending I was in DX and walking out with it, you know, with it on my Walkman and things. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's amazing now how much you can get of it because, you know, you go and you search on Spotify for NJPW or WWF and there's just so much of it you can get and you can really like dive into Jimmy Hart's WCW themes that's just and realize how offensive the production was and how <laughs> like that kind of really synthetic fake 80s synthesis that that I, I, I find really charming so yeah music's been a, a big part of it for me I think mm-hmm. well you did also name your wrestling podcast after a Kraftwerk reference so there is that yes. crossover yeah, there I, too I, you know I, I completely forgot about that yeah <laughs> just uh, yeah it's just uh, trans Europe Express into Eurograps Express just seemed really obvious to me and I didn't realize there was already a podcast called Eurograps uh, and I just and then they DM'd me with like a point in Spider-Man and I was like, shit, because I'd had the logo made. I'd recorded the first episode. And luckily, <laughs> they were sound as a pound. They just replied, listen, mate, we don't want this. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> If you want it, it's all yours. So, yeah, thank you to them. Mm. From station to station, back to Manchester City, meet Connor Mills and Dan Maloney. Euro, Graps, <laughs> Express. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I couldn't help myself there. No, I had to get that, that in there. Weird. I'm sorry. But... Um, <laughs> That's going to the next episode now. I'm going to find a way to chop that out. Yeah. <laughs> the new theme song. Yeah, <laughs> right. But um, but anyway, uh, today, Neil, we are here to do a third grab bag of themes from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, last time I had Damon on from Super Jcast, we talked about how, you know, it's been a difficult few years for good old New Japan. And uh, some of it is their fault. Some of it isn't. But like I told Damon, you know, it's a hard promotion for me to give up on because they can just still give me hope. Like, like right now they're doing the New Japan Cup and there's been some, some great matches. It's been a really good tournament all throughout. And there's been some excellent matches outside of that tournament as well, not just in Japan, but also in America with New Japan Strong. And there's been crossovers with AEW and Impact and places like that. And things are opening up more and more in Japan these days, which, you know, knock on wood, I know can all go away pretty easily, but... Right now, I, I think I'm more hopeful about New Japan than I've been in a long time, Neil. What about you? It does. It, I, I get DMs monthly from Jay Michael on the on the website, who's a phenomenal writer, and we've done little bits together reviewing New Japan, and we we, we seem to go through a stage of reviewing all the um, Road 2 shows. We'd set ourselves a challenge that we, between us we would review everything from a tour. Um, and I, I just dropped off. I stopped watching it because it, it sort of just got hard to be excited about it. There was the clap crowds, and then there was the the this really strange booking, um, kind of booking in a way that I got into New Japan to escape from. You know that Western inspired hokey booking that I I just didn't want. Um, but then you watch it every now and then. So when he, you asked me to be on this, I thought, oh, I should catch up on the New Japan Cup, and I'm watching matches, and I'm thinking. Do you know, this is actually really good. And then, you know, I DM Jay Michael, go, oh, New Japan are actually good, you know? And he's like, yes, fuck off. I've been telling you this for, for months. And it, it, it's it's that tricky thing of, it's almost a perception at this point that I'm, and I, I do miss sort of the old style, the old way. And it, it seems like there was that, that time for that four or five years when waking up at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning to watch a big show was was nothing because you, you were guaranteed a, a great match. And now I think, 
you don't have that feeling, although you kind of are guaranteed a great match. I mean, we had Naito Okada um, a few weeks ago, and it was a great match. You know, we've had great matches in on the on New Japan Cup, and it's it, it's a it's a perception for me that I think maybe the problem is is with with me rather than them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's only natural that you know excitement for New Japan can go in waves. I mean, that's true for any company or any fandom. You know, when things are going well, when things are up, then you're up about it, and when things are down and things look bleak, then you're down, obviously. So that's true for any company. Again, they all have peaks and valleys. It's just that, as you said, Neil, New Japan's peaks seem to last for several years at this incredible height that the resulting valleys seem to be quite the shock to the system. Um, But again, I I do have hope that they'll turn it around somewhat. And I think the addition of New Japan Strong and resuming touring in America, that was a great move on their part because that's a New Japan show every week. With fans that make noise, you get good matches, sometimes great matches every week. The roster is really good too. It's this cool mix of regular talent with indie talent coming in. So I do recommend that to people because you know it, it scratches that itch that you may not get with you know clap crowds and House of Torture and and things like that, Neil. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've really enjoyed New Japan Strong. It's got a, a feel of it. Like I've, I was talking about the the one like um, Gabe Kidd and, and Alex Coughlin who were on the tour at the minute, and and they feel like World Warriors. They feel like these. It's a roster of beasts. You know, they're not bodybuilders. They're not pro wrestlers. They're fighters, and it's got a really legitimate feel to New Japan Strong that I, that I really enjoy. I don't I don't watch it every week. I don't. It's a, it's a nice one to just drop in and um, to to watch some some men fighting men you know that's what it feels like it's just it's proper wrestling you know yeah yeah for sure and uh i know they just announced mox versus osprey for their big chicago show in a few months which sounds awesome and their mania weekend show looks really good too so you know whatever you want to say about new japan buzz you know being low in the west or whatever they're still offering good wrestling you know uh, even with gato and dick togo wanting to get that heat brother let's get the heat you know you can <laughs> you can still find the good stuff in there neil Oh, I was laughing so much at that. Got to get that heat. And I, I thought, do we have to get that heat, though? Can we not get another heat? Like a good one, perhaps. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, well. Well, anyway, let's get to these themes here. Uh, we have 10 on the docket. And uh, I know it's been a good long while since the last New Japan Grab Bag episode, but that's because we didn't have a lot of the themes I wanted to talk about. They weren't available yet. And I complained about that a lot, I know, but... Then, like Mana from Heaven, the new album came out, I got the themes, and here we are. So, I suppose all of my complaining and whining worked there, Neil. <laughs> Someone's listening. Yeah, yeah. So, first up is the theme for the Commonwealth Kingpin, Will Ospreay, leader of the United Empire, uh, current Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion, former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion as well. And Ospreay's theme is by Inosuke Kitamura, featuring Aki on guitar. This is called Bring It Down.
So when Osprey turned heel, the question was, what do we do with his old theme, Elevated? So that's very much a, a face theme. It sounds very bright and hopeful. And the answer was, let's turn that into a grittier, angrier version of that song. Because if you notice, they take the opening riff of Elevated. That sounds like a very light, uplifting melody. The new one is... Sounds similar, but it's it's meaner, it's heavier, and it's, it's reflective of the rest of the song and Osprey's new character. He's no longer the rising star. He's no longer this effervescent flying junior who's on a journey to be elevated. No, now he's established as a top guy. He's a heavyweight. He's a main eventer. He's a world champion. He's got his own stable now, and he's basically just this really mean dickhead, too. And, <laughs> and all that anger and grit and determination is evident in the tone and fury of this song here, Neil. Yeah, I, I think it's much better because the, the first one, I could only ever hear Pirates of the Caribbean in it. That, that, <laughs> that theme. And, and now, like you say, it's, it's the same sort of um, same sort of theme, I guess, like as in, you know, the, as in the general sound of it, but just suits Will a lot better or this new Will a lot better because it's just got so much going on in it. At the set, you know, there's a, a John Petrucci esque solo that's got slow slides, tapping, shredding. It, it goes from s- slow bits to fast bits, and that's kind of how he wrestles now. You have these bursts of speed, but then he'll give you these really slow, sort of plodding, not plodding in a bad way, but almost like methodical moments that are that are, that are really sort of fit into this new vibe that he's trying to get of being this evil heel who can really sort of take you apart like he did against Oku. You know, he spent a long time slowly destroying him and taking him apart. The theme kind of reflects that a little bit. Um, I love the fact there's a key change in this. I, I just think something about a key change just makes things really dorky because Will Ospreay always <laughs> has to have that, like, dorky air to him. He can never, you never, sh- you should never be able to take Will Ospreay seriously. There should always be something about him that just, that you kind of smirk at, whether that's his haircut or whether he's he's grinning or he's, he's back rakes that, or the way he sells. There's just always got to be something ridiculous. And the, the key change just reminds me of like a, I don't know if you guys got bands like Westlife and Boyzone in the States, you know, these 90s boy bands and every song had a key change and it's just, <laughs> it's excess. And I think that's what Will Ospreay is. He's just a wrestler of excess. Even when he's being subtle, he's still being excessive. Like when I watched a match the other day with against um, one of the Hunter brothers in a pub in London and he was, he all he was doing was back rakes and, and, and flat back bumps, but he was just seldom in such an excessive way that even in his restraint, he was excessive. And I think the, the theme really reflects that. Hate it though, I have to say, over as a song on its own. It's just it, it just sticks. I don't hate it on it on face value, but it's what the, the those lyrics just stick in my ear. And I, I I can't really hear what they're saying because it, it's just kind of muffled a little bit. But then I, I spend I'm driving in the car and that that riff that da, 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 just booms through my head for days and <laughs> i just I, I just if i could if i could listen to it and then delete it from my mind i'd like it a lot more but it it stays with me it just haunts me for, for days afterwards mm-hmm. well there's been some different lyrics thrown around online but from what i hear it's we'll burn it down till the ashes fill the skies burn it all till the flames take back the night and and that ties into osprey burning down his relationship with Okada and Chaos in order to build his own empire. And they repeat those lines over and over and over again throughout the song, almost like a mantra of sorts, 
to drill into you, you know, much to your chagrin there, Neil, <laughs> how <laughs> obsessed Osprey is with being the guy and standing on his own. And later in the song, with that key change, the tempo speeds up as well to really emphasize the, the message and the urgency there. So it may annoy you, Neil, but uh, I like it a lot and I think it works too. Oh, yeah, fits him to a T. You know, it's, a, it's perfect for him. I think he's supposed to be annoying as well, which, so he's, he's doing his job, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the original version of the song. Um, the one he uses now is a remix that he debuted at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, it's called the Zenith of God mix. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I love the original version a lot, but the remix is like a whole nother level because it's got the long build-up with the strings and the choir at the beginning, and it just keeps building the tension up until the riff hits, and then it keeps going with the choir and the strings. Like, it's the definition of a big match theme. And Osprey has kept it ever since Wrestle Kingdom for all of his matches because, yes, he's a man of excess. Of course he keeps using this epic theme going forward there, Neil. It's, it's perfect for him. Oh, yeah. I, I love how arrogant this theme is. Just the way it... I think with the video as well, where he has the gravestones and things with the names of all the people he's defeated, and, and some of the names are like Yota Suji, who he beat in a, in a undercard match on Rev Pro, and it wasn't even for the title. You know, you can imagine him watching Suzuki or, or hearing Shibata's music and saying, no, I want that. I want the big intro where everyone can bask and, and wait for my entrance. And, <laughs> but actually the song is kind of bad video game music at the same time. But, you know, it's, it's almost like an insecure man's version of his previous theme tune, uh, which, again, I suppose is what he is. Um, reminds me of Nightwish in a way, that really corny orchestral thing. And there's just little bits in this one where... They've not re-recorded the singing, I don't think. When it gets slower, they've just artificially edited it to make it slower and not very well either. So it just sounds a bit strange and unusual. But you can imagine him going, no, I want it more epic. I want more space. <laughs> Oi, I want more, more choirs. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just fits in perfectly. I think it's excellent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that video because it's like, yeah, you know, he lists off all these names like Carl Fredericks and Shota Umino. And it's like, Look how great my championship reign has been, but it's like you're not the champion anymore. You know, you're just you're just a massive prick, okay? And and that's the character. The character is he's the best wrestler in the world, which he likely is. 
but he's also just this massive, unlikable douchebag. And having a song called Zenith of God with this heightened drama and the choirs and the pomposity and the video and all that, it just it leans into that character so well, Neil. Yeah, and I, I really like the character. It, it, it's just one of my pet hates in wrestling is, is the heel who sort of cheats and the heel who, who isn't actually very good but has to cheat to win. I like my heels to be outstanding at wrestling and to be arrogant and to know it. And that's what Osprey is doing, and he's doing it brilliantly. And the, the theme just fits in perfectly, I think. I agree, yeah, 100%. So our next wrestler here is a guy that uh, Max Caster loves to shout out on AEW all the time. Yo! Yo! Listen! It's Yo, formerly of Rapungi 3K, now going solo as a member of Chaos. Yo's theme is by Masafumi Isobe. It's called Going Down Fighting. This is an odd one, uh, much like Yo himself. It starts off with like that standard drum fill for 20 seconds, which is a long time for just drums. Uh, then the guitar comes in with the Yo! 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 Then it gets faster, and the Yo's start to become more high-pitched, like a child is saying it. Yo! Yo! And then it goes even faster to becoming this like kind of frantic punk song. Going down fighting! Yo! Going down fighting! Yo! Then it comes down a bit and speeds back up again. It's like, you know, as a result, this is one of the more out there themes, I think, in the company. It's it's certainly not one of the catchier ones, that's for sure, Neil. Yeah, it's just, it's a bit all over the shop, isn't it? Like you say, it's just a sort of a, a hodgepodge. I do feel the title's a bit strange as well. There's definitely a, a scent of the Goto about this, that he's going down fighting. Not that he's going to win and he's going to win a championship or anything like that. He's going to lose. He's like he's, he's and he's got it. There's a bit of a sadness about Yo, isn't there? That he was. It felt for years they were building up to this big angle between Yo and Show and the big breakup, and it ended up being caught in the House of Torture. And now there's just a that, that was going to be his moment, and it, it never really didn't really land. Um, the, I, I picked up on that as well about the weird kind of sound effects in it, the chanting. It sounds to me like. Sometimes you'd get, you know, on a SNES game, you would get real audio recorded voices, but it had to be compressed so much to fit on a cartridge. <laughs> and it feels like that, which isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing. But when you throw it into this almost mix of randomness, like the bit, the punky bit almost felt like it was random power cards just flying around all over the place. Um, and he kind of 
sulks his way to the ring almost in a moody way. He doesn't like come out, you know, like he's going to go down fighting. He just kind of walks out with his fashionable coat on. So it, it's just it's a really weird one. And yeah, the drums don't sound good on this one. I didn't think it was just the snare sound really grating. It's just a really odd song. I don't really know what my opinion is of it. I feel like I can, if I say I like it, I can pick a bit that I like. And if I say I don't like it, then there's evidence for that too. It's just a really strange one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is that odd dichotomy with Yo's whole aesthetic. Because he doesn't really dress like a typical punk would. Um, he wears like these white cargo pants and a white jacket. Maybe a black hoodie sometimes. And, and maybe punks dress like that nowadays. I don't know. I'm not hip to that scene, but... Um, at face value, it doesn't really match the whole frenetic vibe of the song. So, yeah, it's hard to get a grip on that, I guess, Neil. Yeah, it's just, I suppose, like Yo, in a lot of ways. I, I feel like he's he's a hard wrestler to kind of to get behind, really. He's just sort of fit into a roster, hasn't he? And just sort of got lost in it a little bit for me. But, so maybe it's a, a successful theme tune in that sense, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um... It's funny, I was thinking about this too. I, I don't know what's stranger, this theme or that piano Rapungi 3K theme they had for a few months until they oh, broke yeah. up last year. That was weird too, because we went from Rocky Romero rapping to this just frantic, like smooth jazz song with no lyrics. And it was like so jarring. But again, that was only for a little bit before they broke up. But um, but that really caught us off guard there, I think, Neil, that, that sudden shift between the two themes. Do you know, I'd forgotten about that sort of the one after the Rocky Romero one. It was really, I remember we were talking about it, I think, on the Slack. And I remember thinking it sounds like a, a Tangerine Dream song or like a, a weird, like something you'd hear on a Marillion album. And it, it was really odd, like 70s prog, and like you say, jazz influenced. And it, I thought it was a great song. Not so much for wrestling, but it was <laughs> like a great song for itself. And he just, yeah, he doesn't seem to have much luck with music at all because that Rocky Romero song, I could like it ironically for a while, but once you'd heard it 17,000 times, it was, no, I, was, I, I didn't want to hear that ever again. <laughs> Theme number three, and this is for the, uh, as of this recording, current strong openweight champion, Filthy Tom Lawler, leader of Team Filthy, obviously. Lawler's theme is by Q Brick, speaking of Rocky Romero there, and it's called Team Filthy. If any song lives up to the name Filthy, it's this. This this is a dirty piece of business. That guitar riff alone. There is nothing clean or nice about that at all. And that's a good thing because Team Filthy are just a bunch of dirtbags. Like, it's right there in the name. So you want to give them something that just sounds so down and dirty, so down low and sleazy and nasty. 
and this accomplishes that goal just to a T, you know. Oh, definitely. I wondered about the bass on this one, actually, because it, it all felt very, like, low effort almost in a way that, you know, they didn't bother putting bass on it. Or, and the reverb on the guitar was just borderline offensive. Like, it was just, <laughs> it reminded me of when I first started playing guitars about 12 or 13. My dad had an old amp, an old solid state amp from the 90s with a reverb on it. Just that clunk, that awful sort of jarring reverb that's not got any sort of wash or smoothness to it at all and just that riff I, I just it was it, it was agitated this one it was almost as bad as his shorts you know and um <laughs> the drums as well like i thought that when we program drums now they have all these things can't they where they, they vary the, the the snare so it doesn't sound like the exact same snare every time and it feels like they've not bothered to do that with this one it's just a they've got a drum loop they've copied and pasted it they've got one riff they've copied and pasted it they put some terrible reverb over the top of it and sent tom lawler out to it but again it works it fits for him perfectly because it's grimy and dirty and and that's just uh team filthy to a t i guess Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of sounds to me like a store brand version of Queens of the Stone Age with yes. the music and the vocals, which sound like Josh Homme, which I think is a good way to go because you could do your standard metal or hip hop, but there's such an undercurrent of sleaze with this sound that just works so well for this group of, you know, aggressive sleazy dirtbags. That's what they are. So this sound, you know, it lends itself really well for this group as opposed to just your more typical hard rock or metal or hip-hop or, or things like that, Neil? Yeah, I thought, actually, I didn't think of Josh Homme. I thought of Danzig for the singer. It's got that very... Oh, that too, yeah, yeah. Like someone who's who thinks he's a much better singer. And I love Danzig, I'm not criticising him. But someone who thinks he's a much better singer than he actually is. But yeah, kind of that West Coast, maybe Queens of the Stone Age connection makes a little bit more sense thinking about it. Right, yeah. And, and looking at the lyrics too, um, it talks about how they only come out at night, they're the boogeyman under your bed... The monsters that keep you up late, they'll take your souls. And, and on paper, those are some kind of you know, dark lyrics there. But the way that they're sung with the music, they come across a lot cockier than scary, especially yes. with the actual entrance. Because Tom Lawler comes out and he's strutting down to the ring, got the sunglasses on, the jean vest, the jean shorts. He's singing along to the music like he really hams it up. He's not, you know... Mr. Serious Tim Thatcher over here. He's got a real colorful personality while also being a great fighter in the ring too, which I think, you know, boosts the cockiness as well there, Neil. Yeah, and I feel like the theme should be a bit jarring as well. It should be a bit, you know, can you can you imagine him having this song but produced really smoothly and nicely? It just it just wouldn't fit. Like I say, it's got to have that bit of grime to it and that bit of filth um, to, you you know, pardon the pun. It, it, it just fits him really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any man who wrestles in jean short tights knows what it means to be jarring, I think. So, there I you mean, go. how many men do you know who could pull off jean shorts and he does it? Like, I mean, <laughs> I'd, I'd look like I'd look more like Kylie Minogue than myself. It's just, it's just, like, I, I, respect, I absolutely respect his, his fashion choices for sure. Yeah, he's pretty awesome, definitely. Up next, it's time for the boy wonder himself, the man who captured all of our hearts with his blue hair, weird blue pants, and can-do attitude. It's Master Watto, currently one half of the IWGP Junior Tech Team Champions. Watto's theme is by Inosuke Kitamura, and it's called Way to the Grand Master.
So I like to describe this song as a Kung Fu Tanahashi theme. Like, it even has the epic Tanahashi ramp up into the big guitars, and it's so epic and, and triumphant and all that. But you also have sound drops in there that go, hee which makes me laugh. So, um, But seriously, though, this is a fairly busy number with all this you know, furious guitar work all throughout there. It's quite a big to-do. And does Master Watto live up to the epic scope of his theme song? Eh, maybe not. But I see what they're going for here with the whole, you know, martial arts master, high energy, high impact kind of theme there, Neil. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that's perfect for him. That I remember there was a, a when he first started, like I say, dyed his hair blue and became Master Watto. There was he's on this this journey to become well, he's on the way to the Grand Master, as, he, as, as it says in the title. And, I remember Kevin Kelly saying on the commentary that Watto might have to accept that he never becomes the Grandmaster. And it was just such a lovely line because you think, no, he's rubbish, isn't he? Like, and that's what, <laughs> that's what makes him so captivated that he's... I feel really sorry for him in a way, though, because he's, he's been a young lion and they decided when they were handing out gimmicks that his gimmick was basically going to be, you're a young lion for the rest of your life. You know, you're, you're, never, you're always going to be considered the learner. Um, he's got a very... Saturday morning kids cartoon feel to it um, and I, I think that yeah like that that fits him that sort of false epicness that he can never quite live up to really works and yeah the cliche kung fu sound was a bit suspect but again it worked for him um, there was a really weird kind of thin lizzy dual guitar line in it but then with a punk beat in the background um, which is a, a really interesting mashup and I actually, yeah, I found myself surprisingly liking this song in, in a strange way, even without the Watto feel over it. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it too, honestly, yeah. And I love the breakdown in the middle there where it turns over to like this traditional East Asian music and then it rims back up into the guitars, which, you know, is interesting that it doesn't lean into that stuff more throughout the song. You can sort of hear some shamisen underneath the mix there, but they are just really buried beneath those guitars, which are just so overpowering. So it doesn't go as heavy into the more traditional elements as you might expect with the Master Watto, but, you know, then again, they've kind of leaned away from that stuff with Watto himself as time has gone on. Because he started off with those, you know, vignettes of him in the forest and all that, but nowadays he's more of your your standard, you know, plucky underdog face with uh, slightly better gear, I think, Neil. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of become weirdly competent, because I, I used to enjoy Watto matches because you thought... Like, I wonder what mistake he's going to make. You know, what, how is he going to overreach? And now he doesn't really seem to make that many mistakes. He's just, he's boringly competent at the minute. Like the Okada match was just a boring match. He wasn't like, there was nothing really exciting there. He's just kind of is who he is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we joke, we poke fun, but you know, in all honesty, there are way worse wrestlers out there than Master Watto. He's, he's not that bad. He's fine. He's just, he's just a goober. That's what he is. He's a goober and. He's also 25, so, you know, who knows? Five or ten years from now, he might be the same. He might grow out of it into something else. But we'll just have to wait and see on that, Neil, I guess. Well, the world needs uh, ditch diggers as well. <laughs> so I think we, we need roster fodder. How nice of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Theme number five, and it's for the King of Darkness, Evil. Everyone's favorite wrestler, Evil. Currently, both the Never Open Weight and Never Six Man Champion as part of Bullet Club's House of Torture. Evil's theme is by Nishi Ken, and it's called Evolve.
this might be one of the biggest disparities between a wrestler that I really don't enjoy all that much and a theme that I absolutely love. Because I'm not a big fan of evil, or at least this version of evil, but man do I love this theme. This theme rules, it sounds cool, it sounds badass. I love the build-up at the beginning, which ends with that snarling guitar. Has a great beat to it, has the choirs, which I love. The organ arpeggios, very Castlevania-esque. So yeah, it's funny, you know, on its own, outside of wrestling, I love listening to it. But when it plays in the shows, it's like, oh, god damn it, I gotta watch Evil now, <laughs> and House of Torture, god damn it. So it's a, a strange predicament there, Neil. It made so much more sense when he was within uh, LIJ, because we've all got the, the dorky goth mate, and he was the dorky goth mate, and he was really cool. Um, but then as soon as he's like the leader of a faction, it, it just kind of falls apart. Um, I, I think that I agree with you though. I, I think this song is, is really good. It reminds me of, of Alton Towers. There's a theme park in, in the UK and they, it's all, it's not Halloween based, but it's all kind of spooky based and they do some special Halloween things and, and it's all that classical music with, the, with this corny spooky edge. Um, I love the slap on the bass drum as well. It's almost like Pantera, just that diddle-a-din, like just the big, huge bass drum on the double pedals, which is great. I love the sound of the organ in this. Like you say, the arpeggios on the organ, it sounds very John Lord, and that's... I love that. Deep Purple, one of my all-time favourites. Same, same. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I have a problem with this, but it reminds me, it, it's just, do you know Hocus Pocus by Focus? Oh, yes. The yodeling song. Yes, yes. And it just, I, I'm always waiting for the... I feel like we should have a yodeling goth to come in afterwards. But yeah, I'm always waiting for that and it never happens. But yeah, the song is brilliant, especially when he when he used to have the lasers on his fingers as well because it just it, it's dorky but cool at the same time and yeah it's just a shame like you say that you've got to sit through an evil match because he should have been great shouldn't he evil think of all those kind of four and four quarter star matches that he was having in lij and he was almost there and he was you would think well we're gonna have that banging evil match at some point and i think now the way it's looking we don't know if we're ever going to get that anymore but we've still got the theme i think it's great <laughs> yeah um, it's weird, you know, they're obviously keeping in line with the King of Darkness gimmick, with the gothic choirs in the organ section. It's all very ominous and spooky, but the backing beat gives it a good amount of zest, too. Like, it's not the grimy, dingy sludge that his L.I.J. theme was. This is much more theatrical and over-the-top, and not necessarily a beat, but more bouncy, more energetic, which you wouldn't expect from a heel theme. Usually heel themes tend to get, you know, more dour, than the face theme, but I think in this case, it's something where they wanted to keep the dark tones, but go in a much different direction than the other dark theme that they had, and have something more keyboard-heavy, more uh, sample-heavy, I suppose, Neil. Yeah, I think Castlevania was a great comparison, actually. I think that's that's that vibe, that kind of vampire um, B-movie kind of feel to it, which... Yeah, I don't. It, I suppose it fits the name House of Torture. I don't know if it fits the weird '90s running wrestling that they do. I don't know if it fits <laughs> that, but it definitely fits the aesthetic for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, any music change would have made sense because they changed up so much about Evil to begin with. You know, no more scythe, no more robe or laser fingers, no more everything is evil catchphrase. Now he's got new gear, new hair color, 
new type of match he does with the interference and all that. So, yeah, he's still King of Darkness. He's still evil. He's just a different type of evil now. And the old evil still shows up in glimpses from time to time. But, you know, it's all about getting that heat, brother. You know, let's get the heat. So just have to put up with it, I guess, there, Neil. Yeah, it is a shame because, like, as anything with an organ, that Hammond organ is just that'll get me. It's just such a lovely tone and feel. And as soon as that's in any song, I think I'm on board. Um, like I said, maybe it's that John Ward influence. I don't know, but it's just a lovely, lovely sound. Mm-hmm. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Moving on now to our next theme, and it's for another Bullet Club member. This time it's El Fantasmo, two-time Super Jacob winner and just a... Another round annoying person. Uh, ELP's theme is by David Grimison, featuring Tom Williams and Rick Jimenez. It's called Headbang Club VIP. There's perhaps never been a more perfect marriage of wrestler and genre than El Fantasmo and Dubstep. Yes. Because El Fantasmo is a very overbearing person. He's loud, he's annoying, and a lot of people don't like him. Dubstep is a very overbearing type of music. It's loud, <laughs> it's annoying, and a lot of people don't like it. So it's a match made in heaven. So, yeah, it's not my favorite theme. It's very repetitive, very loud and obnoxious, but that's the point. It's a perfect ELP theme meal. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it fits into a T. I think you're absolutely spot on. He's just, he's the sort of person who would like you're on a journey and he he grab the ox card and put his phone in and say, "Don't listen to this, you'll love it." And then it's just this awful noise that I just I'm one of those annoying people that says I like to listen to everything and I'll give everything a chance. But dubstep is one of those things that I just. Like I say, the bass is is offensive. You've got a breakdown into a breakdown into another breakdown. And there were some weird screams about two thirds of the way through this that it sounded like someone was being waterboarded. It, it was just an awful song, but it suits, like you say, this this prick who puts, you know, who wears a loaded boot. It, it just suits him absolutely perfectly. And it's just, but will I ever listen to this again? Never. It's, it's done. I'm, <laughs> I've deleted it from that file you sent me, so I never accidentally <laughs> listened to it again. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
This is actually the second version of the song. Uh, the first version, same overall structure, same Bullet Club melody at the beginning, uh, your head bang out, all that stuff. But in this one, they really crank up the volume and the layers and the guitars and the effects and just make it even more over the top and in your face and just, it, it never lets up, which again, is true to the El Phantasmo character. This guy does not have an off switch, apparently. He's always trying to get under your skin and on your nerves. So when the time comes for a remix of his theme, let's go further. Let's make it bigger. Let's make it louder. Let's make it even more annoying. And yeah, for, for a guy who's so ready and able to just annoy the shit out of you, it's right in line with that character, Neil. I tell you what does annoy me actually, and you, you sort of hit on this, is there seems to be a really particular New Japan guitar tone, kind of that 90s guitar tone where they scoop all the mitts out of it through like a Misa Boogie amp or something. And I really felt like we'd move past that now. And it feels like for a lot of the more annoying ones on the list, they're kind of bringing that back, that kind of muddy guitar sound. Um, that when you combine it with just this booming bass, it's just my headphones were shaking on my head when I was listening to it. And it, but yeah, it's as annoying as him, I guess, so I can't complain too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable just how complete this character feels and how well he's taken to it, considering, like, before this, he was supposedly, like, this ultra kid-friendly good guy. And then he goes to New Japan and joins the Bullet Club, and they're like, okay, you're the headbanger now, do that. And he's like, okay. So in his first match there, he teabags Will Ospreay with an ice pack, and that's the headbanger. <laughs> And, you know, fast forward to today, and he's got the light-up glasses and the light-up jacket with the scroll on it, and he's gyrating with the two suites and the, the complicated back rakes and rope walking and the, the load of boot gimmick and all that. He's he's taking to this gimmick like a duck to water, while also still having great matches, too. Like, he's still great in the ring and not just a gimmick. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing just to see how far he's come, Neil. It really feels like he values his position there. Like, he, he's been given a job to do, and he's going to do it as best as he possibly can. And I think he does it brilliantly i mean you're right in rev pro he was he was pure blue eye you know he'd, he'd still had the glasses but he'd give them to a child you know it was that as, as blue as the blue eyes get um and he, he's he's shown his adaptability and how well he can he can structure his matches and it's, it's not always to my taste but I, I i have to respect how well he does that role i think mm-hmm. and uh, by the way david grimerson is a guy who has done just a ton of, of uk indie themes over the years uh mostly for like uh, Defiant and ICW. Um, but I'm pretty certain this is one of his most well-known works, you know, globally because it's on New Japan all the time. So, you know, good for him for grinding away and, and getting his theme in a, you know, in a big spot like this. Right. I mean, usually I thought British Indies like to just play whatever, like, and sod copyright law. So it's, it's nice <laughs> right. to hear that we actually had some original music at some point. <laughs> right, right. Theme number seven, and this is for Gabriel Kidd, a recent graduate of the LA Dojo though he had wrestled in the UK for many years before that. This is by Field of Giants off the album We Are. It's called Stay Awake.
So this is a stark contrast with the Phantasmo theme that we had before here, uh, not just in terms of the genre, of course, and the style of music, but the message as well, because the song is about someone uh, dealing with mental health issues, and Gabe has been very open about his own struggles with those, those issues, and I think to, to bear that out and to focus on that in his own theme song is a very... It's a brave choice, and it's a very stark dose of reality that we don't really get too often in wrestling there, Neil. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I've really liked about Gay Kid recently. And obviously, I know he's had to take a little bit of time out now. I think there was a there was a time for him where maybe the reality and the gimmick were getting a little bit confused, but there's just something very genuine about him and very honest. He's always been a very consistent character. He's been back in the UK wrestling for a couple of months, and, and he's just... In some buildings he was booed, in some buildings he was cheered, but he was always the same, he was always him, and I, I like that about him. I like In the song, it, it keeps repeating that my mind is awake, and it's it had, it's got a feel of of travel and thought and introspection about it. It's not just a, a banging rock song, it's somebody who feels like they're going on a journey, and, and that's expressed in the song, the way sort of the moaning at the start is, and it's talking about weaknesses and faith, and um, very guttural in a lot of ways. And I, I really like this song. I, I was, I, I'm not always articulate when it comes to why I like music, but this one sort of just really jumped out to me. And it's got that kind of death tones feel to it, of that droning song, that sort of droning beat on the root, and then the chorus would just take us like two chords away, and then it bring us right back down onto that root note with the detuned guitar string being smashed. And when you smash a detuned guitar string, and it kind of goes flat for a second and comes back up, and it's almost weaving a, around constantly on the same thing, and it just it fits the way Gabe Kidd is. And I would say if anyone's interested in some of his promos that he's done on this tour of the UK, they've been, these Red Pro ones have been absolutely fantastic. And it, 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 it really, the song really seems to epitomize a lot of that. So whether he's leaning the character into the song or the song into the character and, or it's just him, I don't know, but the whole presentation of him is just fantastic at the minute. Kind of reminds me of the Deftones in a weird way. Like I like that kind of spacey feel to it. It's a great song, and he's a, he's a great wrestler. I love Game Kid. Oh, I love the guy too. He's he's the man for sure, and, and so damn tough. And you know his openness is just so admirable, especially in wrestling. And and with this theme song too, I mean, it's you don't get a lot of wrestling themes that are this vulnerable, really, because most themes talk about being tough and a badass and cool and whatnot, and. This has lyrics like, Oh God, save my brain. I'll do whatever it takes to stay sane. And I would swallow it whole like a bowl. Take my mind away. I can't sleep because my mind is awake. And I won't be concerned with my future. This anxiety is melting away by the second here. Am I okay? Like, this is not your typical ultra-confident, ultra-badass wrestling theme. There's a lot of internal strife and struggle going on here. And it's not like this song was written specifically for Gabe. It came out years ago, but it seems to me that, you know, Gabe doesn't want to shy away from these problems. He wants people to know about them and to understand them, and he wants to make this part of his journey and his story, which, like I said, is a, a pretty brave thing to do, Neil. No, I, I really think Gabe Kidd is, is one of those wrestlers who really thinks about everything and, and every aspect. And if he's a... If you're part of the 
quote-unquote intelligentsia that sort of gets thrown around. I, th I think the, 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 he's one to watch and he's one to, to really chew on. And you, you'll see matches against people like Mark Haskins where he'll be arrogant and he'll, you know, because he wants to be tested. So he'll think this person is beneath me and then have to sort of crawl his way back up when he realises that he's wrong. Um, there's always a little interesting story with, with Gabe Kidd and something... He's not afraid to just go out and be consistent in that character and, 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 and let the crowd make an opinion about him. There's been promos where he's turned to the crowd and told him to shut the fuck up because he's talking about his life. And it's just it's just something captivating about honesty. Um, and like you say, there's something that we could all recognise in that, I suppose, that, that he he went away to test himself and, and if I have I ever gone away anywhere to test myself I haven't I've, I've always stayed <laughs> in a lane and I've always been very boring and he's somebody who because I remember watching him years ago in, in, in he was one of the what culture people the defiant people and he, he was awful he was just this the, the most bland creator wrestler and I, I remember writing reviews about him just going I, I don't know what you know you're reviewing something and you're like I don't know what to say. Like, I don't even know how to bury this. It's just sort of, it is what, it's just boring. There's nothing, there's nothing to even grip onto. And I've never had to, maybe Juice Robinson, but I've, apart from him, I've never had to change my opinion about a wrestler as, as sort of drastically as I have Gabe Kidd. Um, it just, he's, I, I'm, I'm so enamored with him at the minute and I, I really hope he comes back fighting because he's, he's, I just think he's fantastic. Oh yeah. Same, same. I've got a lot of stock in the guy because, I mean, how can you not? Like, he's an absolute tank in that ring. And just watch his matches with Eddie Kingston and uh, Jonathan Gresham and Francesco Akira. And it's like, he's got all the goods to be a must-watch wrestler. And I know that right now he's taking some time off to get better mentally, which we all send our best wishes to him on that and all of our love. And hopefully he gets back in the ring real soon because, you know, he just has a really bright future ahead of him, I think. And... Uh, you know, New Japan are a much better company with him on their shows having these great matches, Neil, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think as a as a British wrestling fan, he's he's going to be like he's going to be someone we can be really proud of. You know, if he uh, he's someone who can be operating at that absolute tip top level um, potentially. So he's he's definitely one to 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 really be pulling for, as you say. Mm -hmm. Up next is a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight and Junior Tag Team Champion. It's the Sniper of the Skies, Robbie Eagles, the man with oh so many bandanas on his person. Uh, Robbie's theme is by the band In Hearts Wake off the album Earthwalker. This is Afterglow. In Hearts Wake is a metalcore band from New South Wales and Australia, and Robbie is also from New South Wales and Australia. 
He's a big fan of the band, and he has actually used this song for many years before New Japan as well. So, um, you know, look, I'm not a big fan of the whole guttural screaming vocals. I, I much prefer the more melodic stuff, which which is in the song too, of course. But um, but this one did grow on me. I think there's enough melodic stuff in there and enough just good, solid, hard rock metal music in there that uh, I did come around to this one here, Neil. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. With the, It seems to be a common thing in metalcore where they'll mix the, the screaming and the clean vocals. And I, I I kind of feel like from a mindset point of view, I want one or the other. I, I mean, maybe that's a, a failure on my part. Um, but I like the sort of the riffs in this one, the way you'd get that. They'd be sort of a high little bit, then you'd get the chug on the, you know, that clearly like a drop C or lower chug that's just, yeah, it's, it's a, if you like this kind of metalcore kill switch engaging kind of music, then yeah, this is a great, and it's nice to hear he's done it. I didn't know that, that they were a band from New South Wales. And he's, 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 he, I like that, you know, it's just, it's nice that he's, he's got this on a, on a big stage. It's, that's, that's really cool. Mm. Yeah, it's funny to me to hear the contrast of the screaming vocals and the lyrics, because the words are like, In the afterglow, the bond remains unbroken. When young hearts have been awoken, just follow the light. We hold the light, we burn so bright. We are the stars that shine, even in the darkest night. Like, those are all very hopeful, very uplifting lyrics, but the guy singing them sounds like a demon. You know, in the afterglow, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> So a funny contrast there, I think. But uh, overall, I think it does have enough, you know, melodic stuff in there where it can counterbalance the aggression, the intensity, and and be a really good face theme for Robbie Eagles. I think Neil. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he fits in really well. And uh, when he was in Bullet Club, he used a different song, actually, uh, "Creature," by another Australian band called Set Me on Fire. And that one, the music is heavy in there too, uh, but it's also a bit tamer with the vocals. Um, but the lyrics are darker too. So. I can see why when Robbie turned face and left Bullet Club, uh, he would switch back to this song, which sounds a bit crazier, sure, but uh, technically is more of a face theme, you know. Yeah, I'm so glad he's not in Bullet Club as well. Can you imagine him in the middle of all this, whatever's oh, whatever's yeah. going on at the minute? I, I watched the angle the other day, and I, I still don't know who's on what side, to be honest with you. <laughs> so it's just a bit, yeah, I need to, I'm glad he's not in the middle of all that. Yeah, same, same, because he's a damn great wrestler and doesn't need that stuff at all, and... Uh, I'm so glad he got that junior title run last year for a little bit because, you know, he can go with anyone. And I think he can be a great asset for that company moving forward, which hopefully as time goes on, we can get him back in the mix more and more often because, you know, he's awesome. I want to see him wrestle more. Yeah, I think if there's one thing New Japan are good at, it's strapping the rocket pack to somebody as well. Is you know, having them kind of bubble along for a little bit and then going, right, you're the guy, go. And I think that when they're ready to do that with Eagles, I think he's going he's gonna to be huge. Mm-hmm. Our second-to-last theme is for another member of the United Empire, and uh, I will not do my best Gideon Gray impression here because my voice will give out, but <laughs> he is the dominator, Great Okan, uh, one of the more polarizing wrestlers on the roster, I think. Okan's theme is by Inosuke Kitamura, and it's called Silk Road. <laughs>
So back when we talked about Watto's theme, I mentioned how there really aren't a ton of those traditional East Asian elements in there. I guess it's because they're all in this one. Like, if you need music for some ancient East Asian warrior king or whatever, this is it. I mean, this song is just tremendous. You got the flutes, you got the strings, the gong, the female background singers, the Mongolian throat chants at the beginning. Like, it's called Silk Road, for God's sake. Like, it, it paints such a clear picture in your mind of what it's going for. And there's no mistaking that this is a great Okan theme. Because his character also leans so heavily into that ancient world with the gimmick and the look and his movements and all that. So this song is very much for him and him alone and not, say, you know, Bad Luck Fale or Fred Rosser or someone like that. Like, this is the Great Okan's theme through and through. Yeah, it's got that feel of a of a, a distant warrior that, you know, this all the romanticism around it with the tribal drums and the, like you say, even the mention of the Silk Road and, and it... it that throat singing in the background ever since I watched June and the Sardaukar throat chanting. Yeah, that's just, yeah. That's, that, that's terrified me. I, I, I actually, I, I never picked up on that until I really listened closely that that was in the background. And he just feels very wild and very, very intimidating. And, and that's how he wrestles as well. I think Okan, he, he looks sloppy, but actually I don't think he is because he's just all limbs. He's he's long limbs everywhere that are just, just grabbing hold and doing these big sloppy almost sloppy power moves you know just on the edge of violence and he's uh, sorry uncontrolled violence i should say um and it fits him i, d I do wish his, his gimmick wasn't so on the nose sometimes you know the question mark over his face and the dancing and, and I, it, it works a lot better in big buildings i have to say when we were watching him in the cockpit it was just <laughs> it was a little bit strange <laughs> uh but i i get why you know you coming out in a pub in southport with a with doing that weird kind of performance dance was it was a little bit odd but it, it works on these on these big sort of stages and in a way i kind of get what you're saying about okan being divisive but i i know i know what side i'm on i'm a huge okan fan that match he had against abushi in the g1 i think it was was i i loved it it was on my one of my match of the year i thought it was fantastic yeah, I remember that match from last year, and it was it was pretty damn good, I agree. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the thing about Okan, you know, is it a cartoonish-looking gimmick? Yes, of course, but the guy's a badass in the ring, no doubt about it. And, and that's evident in the song, too, I think, because, yes, you do have those traditional elements on top being the driving force of the theme, but underneath, you also have the modern elements in there, too, with, like, the guitar chugging away, and, and that blend, you know... We've seen it many times before, and what I think it does is you're able to give the theme a little bit of an extra punch and drive and menace. Because it is, you know, again, like the gimmick itself, it, it, it can be a very silly theme, I think, but with that modern stuff in there, there's more of an edge to it. And it, it sounds very menacing, and it sounds very badass in total. So I, I think Okan and this theme go hand in hand in that sense too there, Neil. Yeah, I think I like. Yeah, that's a really good mishmash of like tr tr those traditional, that traditional terrifying warrior, like the Mongolian, you know, the the the, uh, the Genghis Khan kind of feel, and, and then the very modern sort of, the guitars that that, that that sort of bookend it. I do kind of wish he'd lean a bit more into the modern style of things. I remember seeing him with Shah Samuels, and he was his most terrifying when he was just wearing a pair of jeans and no shirt. Like he looked like he was going to absolutely batter anybody who stood in his way. Um, I think sometimes he gets a little bit performance arty, and he, he doesn't really suit it because he's a like a proper shoot wrestler, isn't he? Isn't he? Like a, a yeah, Oka was was a really successful wrestler at some point, I think. 
He's like a world champion level fighter in like amateur wrestling and judo and karate and MMA and all these other skills. So it's like, yeah, the guy's a fighter. <laughs> that, that's for sure. And, you know, he, he can cut these, uh, you know, booming promos without a microphone. And he's just a dangerous man all around who just so happens to wear genie pants and a question mark over his face and a cute little hat. Like, that's his thing. And I know to some people, they can't get past the gimmick, which, hey, look, fair enough. We all have wrestlers like that, I'm sure. But, you know, like you, Neil, I am very much on the Great Ocon bandwagon because I can look past the gimmick and the entrance and all that because the guy delivers in the ring. What they need to do is to create a bridge with the gimmick and the work. And I, like, you re- you referenced him earlier. That bridge is Gideon Gray. They should bring Gideon Gray over and he should be screaming Great Ocon, Dominator, <laughs> do- like, great. I I I, make, I say this every single year. Uh, I, I feel like I, I'm going as red faced as Gideon Gray myself when I say it. That Gideon Gray should be getting votes for best on interviews, um, and he never does. He never sniffs it, and he absolutely should because he's fantastic. And I maybe it was a little dream of mine that they were going to when Great O'Car went back, they take Gideon Gray, and they they'd agree with me that he was brilliant and worth it, and he could be the United Empire's kind of. Um, manager but no it's not to be the button i think he he's he's great at getting that link between the ridiculous and the seriousness and i think he'd fit in perfectly in this uh faction mm-hmm. yeah he was very much an essential part of getting that gimmick over you know because i remember when he debuted the gimmick at strong style evolved uk as the great O'Karn with an r and the collective response from everybody was like what the fuck is this? Because yeah, cause I was, was at that show. I was at I think the second one. It was in Altrincham, and it was a really weird show because it was a you went in and they had the blue ring. It looked like a New Japan ring, and I thought, oh no, this is going to be a proper show. But then it, it wasn't. There was a lot of Red Pro stuff on there as well. But I remember he came out, and I I, I said, who's that? Like I didn't I didn't know who it was, and then this this absolute prick in front of me just turned around and sneered at me and went, it's obviously Oka. <laughs> like in this like really British sneer at me. And I, I felt like I wanted to say, I, I write for voicesofwrestling.com, you know, I wanted to get my phone out <laughs> and show him my articles. You know, I do know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it, just, it was just so unexpected for a while because like you say, he does have this shoe credential that going really gimmick heavy was 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 really odd. But he, he spent a lot of time working it out and getting it right and he spent a lot of time with the ceiling it it took him a long time i remember on his excursion to 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 really get past it and it it was gideon gray that got him past it i think um and now he's he's flying for me i don't think i I think he's brilliant yeah yeah i mean it is pretty jarring to go from you know tomoyuki oka playing young lion to great okar and this Chinese hopping vampire zombie who's also royalty and speaks in the royal we. It was a very jarring transition, absolutely, but he got over eventually in the UK and they brought him back to New Japan and put him in the Empire, this hot new stable, and he's wrestling Okada, he's wrestling Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome, he's wrestling Naito and beating him in the New Japan Cup, and he kills him in the G1, and it's like, yeah, this guy has come such a long way from those beginnings and I think the fact that he just he's so good in this role and he owns the gimmick so well and he's great in the ring too by the way I mean the guy has just turned me around so much on him since that initial you know reaction and I'm just so excited to see where he goes from here yeah definitely there's a danger to him that, that's really exciting that he just he, like I say a wildness that that's just really intimidating and works really well a big fan mm-hmm Last theme here, and it's for the Death Rider, John Moxley, 
former U.S. champion, uh, also the adopted father of one Shota Umino. And uh, Moxie's theme in New Japan is by, again, Yonosuke Kitamura. It's called Death Rider. <laughs> comes to setting a tone, I mean, this is just A+. That opening, with the old beater car starting up, and then just this shredding guitar comes in and wails away, then we get the big riff, it's so heavy, like, this sets the table perfectly for a John Moxie theme. It tells you right away that this guy is a bad man coming to fight. And the entire song is just that. It's just that sturdy guitar chugging away, the deep bass line underneath, the big pounding drums. And it's so simple, but it's perfect because it's John Moxley. He's just a bad dude. It's all he needs, Neil. Oh, yeah. This is this song to me is as American as apple pie. Like you hear that solo and you think of big muscle cars and... Um... Zubaz pants, or I don't know, other other American <laughs> things, you know, just that kind of like working class America you think of, you know, big factories and, 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 and men chopping down trees, you know, it's, never mind the William Regal real man's band, this sounds like a real man's band theme and it, it it's brilliant and the groove to it as well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of bands like Sleep and Clutch and that kind of doomier feel with the, the huge booming lazy bass and it it feels like everyone's playing together, but someone could drop off because they're so stoned. And it's just that, <laughs> like, like that big, and then the, the pinch harmonics in the solo. Yeah, this is, this, we talked before about, you know, themes matching the character. And this is, this is John Boxley. This is better than Wild Thing for me. I don't know if that's, that's controversial, but I think this suits him better than Wild Thing. I think this is a, a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on pretty even footing for me, I think. Um, the trick is, though, it's that I think depending on the show, one suits him better than the other. Because for AEW, the pacing of that show tends to be on the faster side. So I think Wild Thing really suits him well for that type of show. Whereas New Japan, you know, they're not as quick and frantic as Dynamite is, perhaps. They take their time a little bit more. So I think Death Rider and that tempo and that speed works better for Mox in that environment. Um, but I will say, though, uh, of course, Wild Thing is the more well-known theme, but I do want this theme to get the proper love, too, because, yeah, it's a it's a great theme, Neil, that's for sure. 
yeah, I think Wild Thing you can sing along to, which isn't going to happen in Japan uh, for, for a few <laughs> no, reasons. No. Um, but I think it's got that thing as well that a lot of great wrestling theme tunes have is that recognizable sound to start it off. You know, the cliches, these Austin, the, the breaking glass, you know, or the, or the Bret Hart squeal. It's that opening note of the solo is, is just so recognizable and it's it comes out of nowhere and you're like, right, here we go. You know, it just it just says Moxley and it says violence and it, it's almost... It, it, it gets into like a Pavlovian part of your brain where just hearing those opening notes make you ready to see violence. And he's Moxley's, I'm saying he's New Japan character. I think he's his character anyway, but it, it just, it, it, it's almost like you're trained to expect that now because of this song and it, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when he had that first match against Juice way back when, and, and that was his first match post-WWE as well. And, you know, it was like, what are we going to expect here? And then that theme hits, and you know instantly, oh, okay, violence, you know, <laughs> badassery, okay then, yeah. And and yeah, we sure enough, we got violence and badassery, and that's been Mox's MO, you know, ever since. And um, I know because of the pandemic, Mox hasn't been over to Japan lately, which is a shame, because, you know, he's done some U.S. shows here and there, but Mox in Japan is such a fun energy and atmosphere, especially with the theme song, you know, and the entrance and all that, and... I'm looking forward to him just, you know, going back there someday soon, Neil. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's that walk he's got, as you say, that gait, the rolling shoulders, and the, it, it just matches the, the theme so well. Um, Umino still comes out in his Death Rider jacket as well. Um, I mean, he's, he's coming out in, in, like I say, pubs in Southport, so he's not <laughs> as quiet as... But he's, he's still... That Death Rider thing is still there, and it's still there in his theme. And I'm, I'm hoping one day we get it in the ring again, because that was such a great pairing that they're just I, I, I'm desperate for it to, to, to be a reprise not maybe in like a corny way but the way the best factions are where they're not inexplicably linked they're just friends who sometimes fight and train together and I think when Amino comes back I think that'll be really good for them to get together again mm-hmm. yeah I'm looking forward to them reuniting someday because it's a fun pairing and I remember that uh that initial get together where it's like Mox just destroys him in a match drags him backstage and it's like this is my new training partner, my new buddy right here. And it's like, you know, Shota's half dead. And it's just a, it's just a fun combo uh, in general. But, um, but yeah, they've been apart for too long, I think. And uh, they need to reunite, you know, one of these days, Neil. Yeah, I think that picture has become iconic as well. That that picture with him, with Amido just battered and draped over his arm. And he saw, yeah. that's just become <laughs> such a famous picture already that it feels like one that we're going to revisit constantly over the decades, hopefully, um, as Amido. Because Amido, I have a bit hit and miss about him. I don't know. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's not. Um, he, he's really, I mean, he's on excursion, to be fair. So that that's what excursion's for, is for him to be great sometimes and not great other times. But he's not the dead cert that he felt like at one point. Um, but yeah, I think there's a magic in that team that I hope returns. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of music of the mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Neil, thank you so much for being here your first time on. And it was just an absolute blast. And you're referencing dream theater and Marillion and deep purple and all this (laughs) prog rock. I love so much. So you've warmed my heart a ton, sir. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, if it's nerdy, I like it. So but even with music, it's got to be nerdy for me. But thank you. I've had a great time. I've really enjoyed it. For sure. Yeah. If you want to come back and reference like Porcupine Tree or one of those bands, the door's always open, my friend. So Excellent. I'd love to. Cool. Cool. Well, um, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. 
Um, I just yeah, you, we mentioned it earlier on, but my podcast is the big thing at the minute. It's uh, Eurograps EXP on Twitter. I'm fairly sure I've set up the Apple feed to the Spotify feed, <laughs> uh, but those in the Discord will know that I'm not the most. I think I, it's one of them where I thought I was technologically minded, but starting a podcast has made me realise that I'm really not. Um, but you can you can get it on the main voices of wrestling feed, and if you if you're interested in European wrestling, it's like I say, it's a I record in the dead of night. It's a late uh, late night chat with a friend about European wrestling, and we'd love to have you along. And Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like Eurograps Express is. You can find all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. Voicesofwrestling.com slash donate for all donations, either to me or to Eurocraps Express. Uh, just click the big donate button beneath the podcast name. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Neil, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thank you. All right, for Neil David, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.